Kempe, and I'm the founder of Screen Strong. And today we're going to be speaking with Michelle Barrett, who is one of our Screen Strong ambassadors, about the warning signs for video game dependency and addiction. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Great. I know this is a topic that many parents are just so confused about. We see it every day. We understand how hard it is for moms, especially, and dads to understand what's wrong with my kid. They're just playing Fortnite, right? How can a video game really hurt our kids? Well, I know just from my experience with my son, and Michelle has a lot of experience around working with not only your own um, family, but kids in general around how this is really detrimental to our, our, our kids' health. And the most important thing, though, is for parents to understand the warning signs. I missed the warning signs in my house, ended up with the gamer who went to college and failed out because he was not going to class. So, Michelle, we're going to talk about six things that are just sort of like the warning signs for this problem. The first one starts with, are video games the only thing that puts your child in a good mood? Is it his favorite activity? What I like to say in the workshops that I do, if your child cannot list three things that they like more than their video game, then you're probably headed for trouble. What do you think, Michelle? Absolutely. Another thing to understand too, they have to have opportunity to have other interests. So if you're introducing this digital device to them from the get-go, they're gonna be enticed by that because really nothing else replicates all of that fun that seems like fun. But and just it's not dopamine so and all the stuff that they get. And like my son says all the time, mom, there is nothing in real life that matches the amount of dopamine you get from the video game. Right. So your number, your number one um, warning sign is if it is the only thing that puts him in a good mood and the other ways that you can kind of know about this or get the clue are things like, does he write all his like, school papers around video games or is he just begging for the device all the time trying to negotiate more time and trying to get around the limits um what are some other things that you see michelle as far as kids that are beginning to get obsessed what does it look like in a parent's home well one thing to keep you know in mind where they're begging you to play they're not necessarily begging you to play because it makes them feel good is that it crossed over a line that they're preoccupied mm -hmm. with it and so when you think about a good mood, is that good mood an artificially manipulated good mood? Not the same kind of good mood mm -hmm. that you got really good at your uh, tennis swing. So right. kids are getting exhausted too from the activity. So they may just be begging to get back on, just settle them down because it becomes like coping skill. Right. And it, it's, one, it's one of those things that games don't have really a stopping point. No. And that's one of the problems. The kids don't know how to handle that because when you and I are on something, we know I've got to go wash the dishes, I have to do the laundry, I have to get off. And it's easier for our adult brain to um, make that judgment call, but we know the kids don't have the frontal cortex connections in order to do that. But in a, in a home, what are some other things that, that might look like um, just day to day? I, I know we, we just talked about the begging, um, it's the only thing that puts them in a good mood. So when this happens, parents might run out and go get the, the best game, right? I know that I did that when my son was coming through this. I didn't realize that uh, that was a bad idea. <laughs> but I think... Problem, right? Yeah. And I think that with every um, sign, every one of these signs, there is an element to it that parents make it worse. 
because we want our kids to be happy. So if this is the only thing that makes them happy, then naturally we're going to want to um, do whatever it takes. So maybe you give him your credit card to let him buy things in the game. You know, I feel like when, when the line starts to cross on that, when you're not actually buying physical things for your kids and you're letting them buy virtual skins and toys and levels and you know whatnot i think that's a warning sign your your kids need to be happy in real life and they need to be happy with physical things maybe not not all these virtual things that makes well, sense when did we think tantruming you know translated into happiness <laughs> that's a really good point that is a huge sign that your child's in trouble if they're fighting you all the time because then we're just teaching them to fight for the win and that's not a good relationship Right, that's a really good point. The next thing is, is your child's video game increasing over time? Is his use increasing? So this is an interesting warning sign because I believe that video game addiction, is, is, it sneaks up on you, right? So it starts off really small. And, right. then, and then what happens, Michelle? Well, the games are designed to lead you further down the line to keep playing plus your friends are all there so you have the peer pressure to keep playing and you're feeling good because you're getting good at playing because it's designed to give you just what you need to not give up and i don't know anything else in life that's quite like that because you know when i say about the tennis you know, getting your your serve down in a tennis game um you know you're not going to practice it 10 12 hours a day there's just that adrenaline and the uh, dopamine doesn't work the same way so that is such key in these games They've artificially manipulating that whole piece. And, right. it's, and it's, they lose the understanding that it's not a choice anymore. And most boys don't want to feel like they're controlled by anybody, but they're controlled by the game. They're controlled by the game. And understood right away that, yeah, you're being duped. You know, that's all there is to it. Otherwise, you know, why do you act like this when it needs to stop and go do homework? So. Yeah, but it's like a slot machine. And it's like gambling. You don't even know because you – you have to play when you're losing and you have to play when you're winning. It's that, um, you know, and the warning sign here for mom and dad is, is your child playing every day? Because there's a, there's, that's a real warning sign. If they have to game every day, that's a problem. If it's something they do every now and then, maybe you can have it come and go or they have a take it or leave it attitude. That's one thing. But when it becomes a part of their daily routine, this is a warning sign. The other warning sign that goes right underneath this main warning sign we're, we're talking about as far as is their use increasing over time mm -hmm. is are they playing on vacation? Mm -hmm. um, I talked to a mom once that told me that her son actually gauges their family vacations over where the plugs are in the hotel room. Now, this is a warning sign. Um, I think some parents don't see because we kind of have a blind spot as parents, and I have a whole blog post written on our blind spot that we have as parents, but um, if your child wants to play video games while you're at the beach, or you're on a cruise, or you're somewhere where that should be more exciting for them. Oh, you got a good one? I do, because this is where it all began, with the Game Boy that I gifted him for his birthday, and we always went to Disneyland for his birthday, and he's four. You know, that sounds horrible. He's four-year-old. It's a brand new game. It just seems so innocuous. But um, he, what did he want to do? He wanted to be in a baby stroller and stare and practice that from the get-go. That was a key warning sign that I did not see coming. 
Mm-hmm. Boy. And it's embarrassing. <laughs> really come, mom. But you yeah. know, I'm the first generation. We're the first generation yes. moms. So yeah. Well, I, I remember my son also got a Game Boy and I thought he was getting so smart. And I believe at that time the teachers at the school even said that they were learning eye hand coordination on their Game right, Boy. Right, right. Remember that thing that we all thought was happening? Um, but yeah, your son should have been wanting to be on vacation and not in the stroller playing his yeah, game. We're at Disneyland, for heaven's yeah. sake. That just shows you the power of that little box. Yeah. Well, and the other point about this warning sign is the need to play more exciting games. So it's kind of like, you know, the Game Boy doesn't really do it for him anymore and he needs to start playing more and more, you know, dangerous games or more um, games that are not really age appropriate. So that all kind of falls, yeah, or both. That all kind of falls under this need, his, his need is increasing over time. And again, the reason why his need is increasing, as you can explain with the dopamine, is um, the dopamine receptors get full. And so your body, your brain has to reset this. And so it goes into a state of tolerance. Can you explain that just a little bit, what that tolerance means? Right. You're getting desensitized to it. So you need more and more. And, you know, it's chasing that high. It's no different than, you know, if you're discussing other kind of drug-like effects on the brain. You know, and if anything that I want to impress upon families is move away from the idea that it's entertainment and that it's fun and, it, and what everybody's doing. It's the, the physiological changes that are happening to their minds, their central nervous system, and it's getting distorted. And, you know, that's what's spiking the, the, the tantrums more than the desire to stay in the game with their friends and the rewards that come with it. It's they're physically getting changed. Right. Your brain is physically getting changed. If I had known that about my son, I had no idea. And I think if I had known about all his brain chemicals, that would have been a real warning sign that I would have listened to. But in this warning sign as well, we also have the issues of the reward. And so when you in your home, when you start having to use gaming as a reward to get your child to do chores, get him to do his homework, get him to come to dinner, you know, say, when we start using game games as a negotiating tool or as a currency, that yeah. is a warning sign. Absolutely. You should, you should never use an addictive activity as currency in right. your child's life. But That's then backfired. parents. It's backfired it, on, you know, two generations of families home right now, you know, and, and that's why we're sitting here having this discussion. It's so that's boring. right. It, it backfires, but, but so many moms tell me, but I can't get him to do anything unless I promise him game time. And, and that is in my book, you, you, you're already crossing that line. You've or, got, eat, or take a toddler and give them the iPad in order they eat. They don't even know they're eating broccoli now. Now <laughs> is that right? There's something right. that no. Right. And the other thing about this one too, is it increasing over time? This is when they start um, quitting their sports and their other activities and their clubs at school because they got a game more. I had a coach tell me one time his best football player quit the team so he could play Fortnite more and get better at Fortnite. So this is all falling under that, that category. And I will mention just when you said that about the broccoli, um, I know medically just speaking that I've done a good bit of research on how video games are being used um, as uh, a pre-op for surgeries for kids. So when they actually, studies are done on this, when they actually play game before their operation, 
um, they have to give them fewer drugs like Valium because it actually acts like that for their brain to get them distracted so the nurse can start the IV. So you know if it's that powerful to do that, that this increased use over time is uh, just a huge warning sign. We and, and it happens overnight. Like, like one day you wake up and you don't know what happened to right. your kid. I mean, right. It's like you come to a workshop, you read an article and all of a sudden it's like, how did this happen? But I will tell you that it happens. Um, it feels like it happens overnight, but it doesn't happen overnight. It happens with all the nooks and crannies of his day and of his life day after day, week after week, month after month. And, and then all of a sudden you find yourself in this boiling water of a child who can't manage and regulate his life. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that we have to add to that second point with his use increasing over time? Because that's a big point. Well, just the emotional self-regulation. They're supposed to be learning that during this whole process that the games are introduced into their childhood. Mm -hmm. So it counters that. So, mm -hmm. you know, the reason anything becomes a problem for any of us, doesn't matter of our age, is that it's an impulse control. You know, and that's emotional self-regulation right there. So they haven't even built up that foundational piece. And then you have all these designers making these wonderful games that they can't resist because they're not meant to be resisted. You know, it's not fair. So, of course, yeah. they're just going to be led along, you know, by like a lure, mm -hmm. um, you know, right away from us, from our family fold. And they don't even know it. And they don't agree with you. And no. they can't see it. No. And they're grossly underestimating the amount of time. Mom, I was just on it for 20 minutes. No, son, it's been two and a half hours. No, it was just 20 minutes. That's all part of that addictive um, it's, line. It's very much like a cult. You know, it seems so severe to say something like that. But mm -hmm. if you go and you read about indoctrination with family members that you know, have been brought into a cult, it's very hard to get yeah. to that. But the same way that it happens, you know, this, the persuasion and you know, and the isolation that goes on, you know, and especially, and it's always the vulnerable. Little kids are vulnerable. That's the nature of being a child. So it's really right. such a fair playing field. And that's why they need parents. That's why they need parents to pay attention and actually take action when they do see the warning signs. So let's look at the third warning sign that we are going to talk about today. And that is, is your child unhappy when they're forced to unplug? And this is the classic sign that parents see, this meltdown. I know one parent described it to me as she took the Minecraft away from her son one day, and he was 10 or 12, I think she told me, 10, uh, 10 or 12 years old. And he literally had what she thought was a seizure on the kitchen floor. Really? Really? <laughs> Like a seizure. She's like, no, man, I thought I was going to call 911. But she said it was a meltdown from the video game. And I think that when you see this happen with little kids, you know, you don't really, I don't know, we never want to see a meltdown, but you expect it. But when you see this happen to a 12 or a 14 year old or even older, a 16 year old, boy, that is that is something to be seen is to see a 14 year old act like a toddler when you take their game away. And this is when you've crossed the line. This is a warning sign that your child is getting in hot water. If he cannot move away from his game, or like my son likes to say, if the mom came in, and, and, and this is what my son says is the way that you tell if your child's addicted to a video game. You let him play, and then you as the mom walk in, and you unplug his screen. And if 
depending on his reaction, that's how you know if he's addicted or not. Out of the mouth of babes, good for him. <laughs> because it's that sudden, if it has to suddenly be taken away, if it's his reaction will determine where he's on the scale of whether he's a casual gamer, an at-risk gamer, or a dependent gamer. And we can talk about those um, levels in a few minutes. So is your child unhappy when he's forced to unplug? What are some other things you can add to that, Michelle? Well, they're too invested for them to have a reaction like that. But one thing, you know, a tantrum doesn't get that large overnight either. So it kind of goes with the gaming and our response to allowing it to come continue to increase how long are we going to fight and battle with them before who wins and so when you look at a toddler's developmental piece they get to a certain age and it's usually um by three by four they kind of believe that now you know they have to stop that stuff if you're doing it right but they will if you if they have to hold out 30 minutes they will if they have to hold out 40 minutes they will and and so you if you think you've started this kind of back and forth at a young age and then you introduce the game boy and that becomes like the pacifier too so because you don't want to fight it's like here get in your car seat and they will because now they right. don't so um the tantruming is hallmark and and when it gets to the point where it might look like a seizure it's they do have seizures from this they yeah. do oh, susceptible to it like children their um autistic children they have a tendency to not be able to handle all that sensory like at a movie theater so don't think that the brain hasn't changed enough. They won't have a seizure. seizure. Yeah. Now there's definitely physical um, things that happen. And, and that makes me remember, I mean, kind of think about um, not only just the tantrums, but that restless um, anger, you know, getting mean toward their sibling. If their sibling comes over and looks like they're getting ready to unplug their screen or something, they might hit them. Um, maybe they, they um, run their fist through the wall, they get their controller and they throw it. Yeah. Uh, this is very classic. Um, the, the anger outbursts, the temper fits that happen, um, uh, throwing the controller. You know, when moms say, well, you know, he, he doesn't really get that mad, but actually he has thrown the controller. I'm like, okay, if he's thrown the controller, yes. you are in the hot zone. This is a red warning sign. This it's, is It's game sickness. I wish families would just hold on to that. It's a game sickness. That's not really your child. That's not your child. That's the reflection of what they're doing with all those hours invested into that game. And they don't mm -hmm. want to be that way. It's demoralizing for them. It doesn't feel yeah. good. Mm -hmm. and, and this whole idea of, of what they do when they're forced to unplug, they also get a really bad attitude when you want them to come to dinner, for example, or you want them to join a family activity. One way we recognize this warning sign in our homes is when your child protests and he's kind of like saying, huh, I'm not gonna go to my sister's birthday party out in the backyard because I wanna play my game instead. And even if you take my game away, I'm still not going to her party. It's that sort of removal from your family. And he's drawn a line in the sand to say, no, my game is my number one you know, thing in my life, not my family. You alluded to that just a second ago, that he's pulled himself out of his family unit and his game is now his compass, and that's how he's gauging his life. So when you start seeing the, those signs of defiance around um, not, I mean, I get that they're disappointed, right? There could be just some mild disappointment. Oh, I can't, I have to go to my sister's birthday in the backyard, or I have to go out to dinner with the family now. I'll just play my game later. That's one thing. But when their attitude changes to the point where they're, crossing their arms and they're saying, I'm not participating with family because you took my game. 
that's a problem. That's a, that's a definite red flag and you need help and you need to start reducing the use at that point. You have Just, to build your relationship back with them if they want to be with you because you love your children. You want to spend time with them. And so if their main attachment has now been switched over to technology, that's, don't ever ignore that. There's no, and we're going to do a whole forever. We're going to talk about family attachment in another episode because that is so, so important. But the final thing I want to say about this particular warning sign um, when he's unhappy, um, when he's forced to unplug, is that the parent's reaction, that's why I want to talk about this just for a second. We as parents begin to make excuses for our kids, right? If you have a gamer in your house, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I, I was the worst. I made excuses for um, Adam when he was playing. I would just make excuses around why he couldn't come to the party or why he, you know, it's just like covering up for an alcoholic. You know, call and, the boss, he's sick, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the excuses can get really creative because you're just trying to keep peace. So in your house. Teach them to count on us to do that. And that's, you know, the enabling. So of course that's going to be a yeah. great topic of discussion. So how it's, we, you know, all of that, because that's our mommy hearts, you know, that's yes. what's wrapped up into that. So if you find yourself torn, if you find yourself trying to keep the peace and making excuses, um, just so your son can keep gaming, then that's a warning sign. That little red flag needs to go. Yeah, it goes, it's called remove it altogether, right? That's yeah. Like, remove it. Right. So, okay, let's look at the next warning sign. So the next one we have is number four, and that is, does your child use video games as an escape? And this one is um, sometimes harder for parents to see right away, but you'll start to see it whenever things happen. Like, for example, at school, if some kind of bullying activity was happening, he might want to come home and not talk to you about it and just dive straight into his game. Or if any other thing happens in his life that is just too hard for him to handle, another example would be he tried out for the football team and he didn't make it, or he tried out for the basketball team and he, you know, his, all his friends made it, but he didn't make it. So instead of dealing with that and talking with you about that, he decides to run home and play, you know, binge six hours on, on his video game instead of talking to you about it. So that's how you know. I mean, that warning sign is when, when your son is using it for escape. And I know that this happens a lot with this warning sign is very apparent in, in homes where there's a divorce situation, for example, when um, he is back and forth between homes. And there is definitely a good way to work that out. But sometimes it's really hard for him. And he's escaping into his game because that feels comfortable. And that's what he knows. And he doesn't have to deal with the outside world when, when you're in the game, right? Yeah, they're self-soothing, you know, and that's another hallmark that you want to teach your children is how to self-soothe healthily and not with unhealthy activities. And these games, you know, promote that as in so many ways. It just encompasses so many things that, you know, are supposed to be learned outside of the gaming world, but it's all learned on the inside. And, and I think escape part two becomes the time they do all the time they're spending gaming, they're not doing their homework or other things they're supposed to do. So they're, they're escaping back into the game that caused them to have the problem in the first place. I mean, right. Yeah. And my son says it really well. Again, I've got a lot of experience because I raised a gamer. <laughs> so um, all my experience from raising a gamer here is coming out. 
but he says that when you are um, addicted to video games or overusing video games, that you just want to get back to the game as quick as you can. And everything you do in real life is only done so you can get back to the game. Absolutely. If I ask him, you know, to do some chores or clean the bathroom or vacuum, he said, mom, I would do that only, only because I knew as soon as I got that done, I could get back to my virtual life. So that is an escape if I've ever heard of one him explaining that, um, the way he described that. So that's really stuck with me. And I think of all these moms and dads out there that, gosh, they don't understand that. And I think the first sign of that escape is that your son is talking to you less and less about his life. Your kids should be narrating their life for you every day when they come home. They should give you the narrative of what happened during the day. Um, you know, and I know a lot of parents think, oh, kids don't do that. Teenagers don't talk to you. That's not true. And it's not healthy for them. Talking to somebody if they're not talking to you. We all have to be able to, you know, open our heart to some somewhere. And if it's just gamers online, you know, or if they start talking to you and that's the only thing they know how to talk about is their online world. That's not that's right. Blog right now. And with this warning sign, um, does he use it as an escape? I think some of the other ways that this is apparent in your home and and mom and dad, maybe you're guilty of, of what I was doing too um, with my oldest. And that was whenever he would get his feelings hurt, maybe something didn't work out at school. I remember one time when he didn't make a team, you know, your, your first urge is to say, oh, well, honey, you know, we'll add another hour of game time to your day. <laughs> sort of as a way to be the soothing pacifier or something. And um, because we know they love it. And so if you find yourself using the game as his security blanket and as a way to kind of mend his problem, then that's a warning sign. <laughs> um, but again, it's really hard because as parents, we want to help our kids and we love our kids and, and we want them to be happy. And so, but if that's your go-to um, activity, and, and also with this category, I'll also say that on his Christmas list, on his birthday list, if games are his number one thing that he wants, or if he actually just doesn't have anything else on his list, then you're in trouble. Then he's using this to kind of have his altered life. Um, it's becoming his life. Because when the real life, when, when real life things and activities are not exciting to him anymore, then he's made the trade, wouldn't you say? Avatars to be who they wish they could be. You know, the strength and the acceptance and the power you know, and it's like the idea is to teach your children to have that naturally within them. That's a part of the whole developmental part of being a parent, you know, and not allowing these games to be that main influence because it, that's what's happening. And, you know, to your point, when you, when you said that, it triggered something for me that the, the idea of um, using this like for an avatar you know, our children are looking for their identity. This is their job right now. Till their brain is developed, until they are adults, this is their job to find their identity. And when they find themselves in the virtual world all the time with the video game, they do start to think that that's their identity. But really the best and only way they're ever gonna mature and grow their identity is when they're out of the virtual world, when they are experiencing the ebbs and flows of real life, when they're experiencing the conflicts and the disappointment, and they figure out, how, how do I handle that disappointment? That is how I build my 
my character and it's how I build my identity. When you shield your kids from all those opportunities, you know, and the moms could say, well, there's conflict in their game and they're learning how to work with others. And I'm like, no, this is not true at all. This is just how to work with somebody in Fortnite. This is not real. And every kid knows it's not real. So then when you get them off the game, they're awkward. They, they don't do well in um, social groups because they don't know how to resolve conflict. They're very sensitive. It's like a foreign language. They're all different, you know. It's completely different in the world, real world than online when you're going to, you know, conflict. When you're, you're spinning around, well, you know, that's how they manage their conflict online. <laughs> it's like, how are they going to do that when, you know, they're going to have a problem out in the playground or something? It doesn't work out that way. It doesn't work that way at all, but I'm always amazed. And I think I thought that too. When my son was gaming, I was thinking, well, he's learning some kind of skills here in, in, problem resolution but really all he was learning was how to resolve a problem in his video game he certainly wasn't learning how to resolve a problem in real life and it doesn't transfer over so no matter what you read about video games being good for you know impulse control and problem solving and um, getting along with people and making friends none of that is true it is true in the game it's just not true in real life it doesn't transfer um, there's no way it can transfer because you have to practice real life by you, have, you get better at real life by practicing real life, not by practicing. It's available to even have the opportunity to practice this. That's the other part. I mean, it, it, it doesn't happen just, you know, by, um, well, today we're going to learn this lesson as to how to have this emotional reaction. So they have that emotional reaction. So then you can come together and figure it out. It doesn't <laughs> happen. You have to be thinking on your feet. And you only learn from, you know, th your mistakes usually. So it, that and the happy part. You can't have happy all the time. Children have to learn that too. You know? No, you're exactly right. You do only learn from your mistakes. And stress and all of that and what that means. I mean, they love all the stress and the complications and the conflict online. There's nothing better for them because then they mow right through it. But no, they come off of that. And when you talk about identity, it's, they have none. They're crushed. Because when we start to look at it after a certain age, they don't know who they are. And then that's usually about that age, like with your son going into college. Right. You know, what do they fall back on? Where do they go? You know, it's um, scary for them. I know where they go. Little gamers grow up to be big gamers, by the way. Nothing really changes when they yeah. leave the house. And, and I was, at that point, I was happy for him to go to college because I thought he was going to grow up. And I thought he was going to grow out of this. But they don't grow out of it. No. It's not a phase. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not a phase. So let's look at um, the next one, number five. Does your child sneak around and lie to you about his video games? Now, I, I would think this would be one that would be really obvious for parents, but I think we've got to discuss it because it's not as obvious as they may, as they may think at first because I think it's very hard for parents to actually think that your kids are lying to you, right? Especially when it's your first child, your oldest. You know, after the oldest, you tend to think they're going to lie a little more. Go ahead, Michelle. Well, they learn, you know, to be crafty in preschool, out on that playground. The other children teach them that, you know. And so, no, it's not beyond them to fib and try to get what they want. But, you know, you don't want to turn away and think that it's a small lie or it's not, you know, something you need to address. Because you do. Because they get more crafty. And, you know, when you don't have trust, or they don't have trust in us that's very hard to rebuild because that becomes the main component to 
having a, a healthy relationship with somebody is the trust. So if we have them running around sneaking, we don't want that built up any more than any of this other gaming type of attributes. It's sneaking and lying. I mean, mm -mm. And what are some of the ways that this pans out or what does this look like? It, it looks like your, your child says he's only been playing for an hour when it's been three hours. Mm -hmm. Or maybe he says um, he went to bed at 10 o'clock and he really didn't go to bed till three. Playing up through the middle of the night and through the, through the night is a huge deception that, that gamer, you know, because parents go to bed. I mean, we're tired and we go to bed. Um, they lie about doing their homework. Oh, I was doing my homework for three hours in my bedroom, but no, they weren't. They were playing Fortnite. They hadn't even done their homework yet. Um, other things are how they change the screen right when you walk in the room. That's deceptive or deceitful. Um, they also change their passwords. They know your passwords. They're deceiving um, you on their phone, for example, if you took their mobile app off and then they find the restrictions password and put it back on. Um, all these different things that our kids do to deceive us and lie about their gameplay, um, they're very creative about it. And I think that it's something that is really hard for parents. Boy, I tell you what, when I work with parents, that is the hardest thing to sit down with a mom and show her what her kid's been doing. It is so gut-wrenching for her because she has she doesn't want to see it and we really don't want to believe it right and so from a parent's perspective we are constantly trying to see the good in our kids um uh, but we have to have our eyes wide open for this and we have to understand that this warning sign if your child is lying to you about gameplay this is a deal breaker all the way around yeah. It promotes them to lie and be deceitful in other ways in their life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, it conditions that into them too. Another hallmark of yeah, it starts create it starts um, seeping into these other issues. Little lies turn into big lies. Um, building character that is not building character. No, and and every home is different. In our home, um, we have a big we make a big deal about lying in our home. I mean. We are, we're going to forgive people for everything and, and even for lying. But the lying, my kids know that that gets the highest bit of punishment. You know, if you're lying to me that, you know, you're, you're reaching the outer limit here. <laughs> I mean, I can deal with the fact that, you know, you didn't make your bed, but don't come down here and tell me you made your bed when you didn't make bed. Right. So One thing I always tell my kids is like, when you're found out that you're a liar, they'll always suspect you. Wow. If something's missing or something went awry, you know, awry it's, it's going to be you because they already know you're a liar. So it's a reputation. Yeah. And, it, and it's that trust that you have to build with your kids. And again, not a friendship that you build with your kids. You are the parent. You are the coach. Um, my 15-year-old son told me just three nights ago how glad he was that I was on his friend. Really, he said these words. I know it sounds crazy. But he's like, Mom, I'm so glad you're not, you know, my friend, you'll tell me exactly the answer to things because he doesn't want to hear just what, you know, I think he wants to hear. He wants to really hear the answers. And with Adam, he, he was deceitful. He did not necessarily bold face lie to me necessarily, but I probably didn't really ask him either. So that's the other warning sign for the mom and dad is that, you don't want to get the lie, so you don't want to ask the question. 
<laughs> and if you're, if you, <laughs> right? You see, <sighs> you see what I'm saying? The answer, mom. <laughs> yeah. If you know the answer, you don't want, you don't want to put them in that position. So what are you doing? You're decreasing the amount of conversation and um, you're kind of being deceitful yourself. Avoidance. Yeah. It all, everybody's into that mode of avoidance. Right. Yeah. And it's not fun to deal with a child who's lying about his video game. And I will say that to his credit, it doesn't feel like a lie to him because he's being driven like he'd be driven by a drug. Right. You know, addicts don't think they're lying. They're just getting their drug. However, they have to, whatever they have to do is okay and somehow is justified. So it's very strange. Um, you don't want to see them sick. I mean, because if you watch like that show Intervention where it is dealt with substance abuse, you know, the enabling it largely has to do, they don't want to see their children suffer or right. see at risk in some way. Right. But then what do we do? Are we contributing to the problem to continue and to get larger? which makes it even harder to, to conquer. So that's why you got to back up when you first see it, when it's a problem, no matter how big or small, it's still a problem. And it's all part of the denial loop that parents live in. You know, um, uh, our kids are living in that compulsion loop from the game and we're living in the denial loop. <laughs> and it, it kind of self feeds each other. Okay. Yeah, that needs to be really put out big. It's so true. Yeah, it's very hard. I know I've been there and I like a little device for so many things, you know, goodness. Yeah. And I've made all these mistakes and that's why I'm such the expert on it. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been the very beginning of time, you know, <laughs> we are, we've walked through it all. Yeah. yeah. Baby traps, quicksand. So, so that's the lying um, warning sign. If your son is lying to you, that is a warning sign that you need to start, uh, getting a solution um, for the game play and start limiting the time. In fact, you know, we recommend that you take it away at least for a period of time to have everything reset, but we'll talk about that in a second. So let's talk about our last warning sign. And that is do screens interfere with other hobbies with school or with relationships, friendships and, and family relationships? So if you feel like your son's screen time is interfering with other healthy things, including sports and clubs at school, you know, like we talked about a minute ago, um, you know, he's quitting his, his team because he wants to play Fortnite. That's, that's part of this warning sign. And if it's interfering with his friendships and his most importantly, his relationship with you, then you've got to make some changes. So let's first with this warning sign, talk about, activities when it interferes with other activities what are some other examples of that michelle just um because isn't it okay for him to have gaming as his hobby is what i mean his main, his main hobby the best thing he's good at i guess it's been that way until recently i think it's getting out into public common knowledge that no it isn't okay it's it's not sustainable you know we have enough examples um because we're two decades into this of you know young adults a large amount of young adults that i used to you know see it being referred as the lost boys i call it now the forgotten boys that's how sad it's become it's like they're not even on the map of discussion anymore that's not okay they are losing interest in real life yes when their real life is not as exciting and not as important as their virtual life this is a warning sign 
and they do get lost. And it reminds me of what, of course, we all know is moms, that what does a drowning child sound like? Mm. Silent. You don't hear a drowning child. And that's how I feel about boys that are addicted to video games and girls too. We were focusing on boys today that when you don't hear the noise in your house, you don't see the dirt in your house. When things are just invisible, that's when you have a problem because kids are loud and they are messy and they break things and they get skin knees. In fact, they break bones and they're, interrupting you all the time <laughs> and, you know but like you said the lost forgotten boys are the ones that are sort of stuck in their dark room somewhere in the basement or their bedroom playing video games so this warning sign does it interfere with other hobbies when they lose that interest in real life things they quit their sports they're not getting exercise they're losing interest in how they look their physical body is becoming um weak um seriously boys have to use their muscles in order for their testosterone to be developed properly this is extremely important and gamers a lot of times are um they're never out in the sun they're kind of white and pasty um i I remember um with with adam his shorts always had like a sweat stain near the pockets because he would have to wipe his hands all the time on his shorts so every Every pair of shorts had like, you know, because they their their hands sweat. The other thing um, um, that were maybe this is a rabbit trail a little bit, but actually I think it falls under this this warning sign of losing interest. Even in food and eating right, they eat a lot of candy when they're playing. They drink a lot of soda because their blood sugar starts to um, uh, drop, and they're they're removing themselves from healthy food. They're removing themselves from caring about their physical appearance and taking care of their acne and washing their face and brushing their teeth. I mean, all these physical things that happen when, you know, when this is happening, this is interfering with your son's well-being and his other um, habits and hobbies that are healthy for him. So when it interferes with that, that's a pretty good sign. The other I mean, you can see because they smell, right? They're not bathing. <laughs> it's convenient to take care of themselves. It interferes with what they want to do. So the convenience foods, everything that's fast, it only takes away, you know, two minutes of their time so they can get back. That's a huge warning sign that they haven't, they won't follow through and have self-care. I mean, which is another hallmark of raising your younger children is to have self-care. That's, that's all right. by the wayside. And this interference, um, of that. So it's physically, you know, it's interfering with the fact that they have to brush their teeth. That's really, they don't have enough time for that. I've even had families that have kids like between eight and nine years old that are literally wetting the sofa because they won't get up to go to the bathroom. So they're so engrossed in their game. That is a warning sign. And I actually had someone raise their hand in the audience and ask me if that was a problem. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're asking me if it's a problem that your son is wetting the sofa. Yes, you're in denial. Yes, it is a warning sign. <laughs> um, I mean, no judgment here. We're not judging people. We're just giving- yes, you have a problem, and yes, you have to address it. I mean, that's just that whole avoidance part again. Because right. as if I always throw this in, we did see it. We had an inkling, and the same with our children. When they get to that point, they're miserable. It isn't fun anymore. They're trapped, and yeah. they have tried to stop many times in in the quiet solitude of their room. 
and not being able to. And because of their age and lack of experience, that's very hard to come and tell somebody as I am lost. They can't. I don't know what I'm doing. It's that powerful on them. And they're scared. I mean, there's a lot of fear for the parent to think that maybe they won't be able to save their child or that kid's already given up and doesn't think they can save themselves. Right. And they can't do it on their own. They, they, but they want you desperately to go save them. So we'll, we'll wrap up with that in a second. But the other thing I just thought of when we're talking about this warning sign is parents contribute to this when we feel like we're overscheduling our children. So, well, maybe we, maybe he doesn't need to play a sport. Maybe he doesn't need to be in a club at school. After all, we don't want to stress him out. We don't want him to have too many things to do. And it wasn't too long ago when all the parenting articles were out there saying, stop overscheduling your kids. We're making them crazy by overscheduling them. But that's part of the warning sign here, parent. When you when you start taking things out of their life that keep them in balance, then they, they, that's interfering with their healthy milestones that they should be experiencing. And, and so when their game also interferes with family activities, we mentioned it before, when they want to choose their game over a vacation, choose their game over a birthday party, choose their game over spending time with you, that is a warning sign. Your, child, your, your son should always want to spend time with you over time with a game. And what I mean by that is if dad asks him to go throw a baseball or go out to get yogurt or go camping in the backyard, your son should want to do that before he wants to spend time staying home playing Fortnite. That should be a test. And if he doesn't want to spend time with his parents, I don't care how old he is. Like I know when they start to get older, they have their own friends and that's fine, but they should still want to spend time with their family. And if they're not, if they're choosing their game always over that, then you have a problem. And, and talk about the friendships in, in the school, because I know, Michelle, a lot of people say that their, their son has to play uh, their game because that's where all their friends are. So, right, we hear this a lot. We hear that um, this is just the way it is now with boys. And so can you, you just talk a second about those online friends? And, and are they really friends? What are they exactly? Because sometimes we don't know who they even are. It gets dicey online. I think a lot of the attitude that they develop that we don't like is learn from the other kids. There's older kids online and it's very combative. And it, you know, and I know that, you know, if they're on a football team that they're going to go back and forth, but it, it becomes very toxic online. Mm -hmm. And those friends are false friends and they use each other, you know, depending on what game they're playing. Um, they you, need know, to have, you need to have face-to-face -face friends. You need to have that buddy-buddy relationship. That, that's going to save you through your whole life. We've had this private conversation before. That, you know, somebody you can depend on, you pick up the phone, you meet someplace. I mean, you can't do that online. The, uh, the online world's there 24-7. There's always somebody there. But it's not necessarily something you can trust or that's beneficial to you. Right. So if you're, if you're a parent and... Your child only friends are online. That's it. You have to intervene and change that for them. Yeah, immediately. That is a big warning sign. If the only friends you can think of are your child's online friends, because quite frankly, it could be some of their friends from school, of course, but a lot of times we don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. And and one thing that I was so shocked over that I still to this day am still so shocked over is the language that is used online. And I'm thinking, these are not friends. If my friend called me that name, I would 
not be their friend anymore. They have this very foul language and somehow it's just accepted in the gaming world. And I don't want to get, you know, too exaggerated over that. But at the same time, that is a warning sign that if those are all your kids, if that's all the friends they have or friends that are cussing to them and calling them names online. And I don't know, there's just something that's really not right with that. I'm exposed to that world. You don't. It's the reason we don't send them to, um, you know, certain movies is because they're getting exposed to something that is not healthy for them. It isn't mm -hmm. okay. So this warning sign, the final one here is number six, and that is, um, you know, that we were just talking about now is our screens interfering with their activities, with their friends, with their families. I think um, to wrap this one up, um, you know, I remember thinking... <laughs> This is terrible, but I remember thinking it was just more convenient for me because I had three more kids. I had four total. So when my oldest wanted to drop out of his activities, it was like, okay, honey, because you know, I'm thinking in the back of my head, that's one less carpool I have to do. And that was really selfish on my part, but quite frankly, I was thinking, well, this is what he wants. It makes him happy. It's less car time for me. The other babies are sleeping, taking their nap. How can I possibly drive him to baseball? Like I, it fit my life too. And I really want to not give y'all the hall pass that I tried to give myself because I really paid dearly for that hall pass. And it is never worth, it is just never worth um, taking the easy way out. And it, it I, I mean, yeah, you have to work it out logistically but you do find friends, you do carpool, you share rides, you do whatever it takes to right. get them to piano lessons, to get them to baseball, to, to get them to their clubs at school. You do whatever it takes and never let your parent sort of laziness get in the way, or I don't want to call it laziness because no parent is really lazy, but it's more of a convenient thing. Right. But I think that falls in this. I think I enabled that some for him by not requiring him to do things. And I remember even certain vacations, he stayed home and I should have required yeah. him to come. Well, you know, we look at it because it's not looked at as like other kind of drugs. So right. they're at home. We know where they are. You know, they're not causing any trouble. They're in their room. So why wouldn't we think that that's a good choice or minimize it when we see it's a trouble? Because well, and the, the next trouble is maybe if they're out on the street corner, you know, doing what they know we don't want them to do, which is drugs or something. And that was an excuse I used, and, you know, because I thought, well, he was safe. He was in my house. I knew where he was. He wasn't getting drunk, and he wasn't driving and doing crazy things. So um, I, I used that kind of as an excuse. But the other thing about this warning sign, this is the other part of this warning sign is, or another sign under this warning sign, is that he is not reaching his potential in school. No. And for an adult, this looks like a job, but for a kid, their job is their school. So when he's not reaching his potential with his grade, you know he's an A or B student and he's making all C's. Mm -hmm. That is a warning sign. And it's not that you're the great police, that's not it. But you know that if he could do better and should be doing better and the game's getting in the way, that's, that's a warning sign um, when you can directly pin it to the game. Or when he's rushing through homework, or when he's sort of cheating or or maybe he's cutting the corners on that project you know because all his effort is going into his game exactly. all his creativity is right. going into the game and not competency it. level is all measured through the game they took everything else that they're supposed to be measuring themselves over and becoming competent 
in their full potential. It's all off the board. It's all been directed to that game. And yeah, you don't and it's very of that when you're brand new into this. You don't see that happening. We just see all these, you know, flashing lights and a cute song and, you know, and, you know, they're just so, their attention's all there. Ooh. But no, a lot of things are going on behind the scenes that we know now, but we didn't know then. And what I didn't understand was the leaderboard concept and how he was top dog on his leaderboard. And I didn't understand that that's where he was getting a lot of his self-esteem from. And that's why he didn't need to be top dog at school. What, what does that matter? I'm already top dog on my leaderboard. So, and I'm beating people out and I have this guild that I have to deal with every day and they need me and they depend on me and it's all those relationship things. And we have another talk that we'll give on the 10 things that every parent needs to know about video games. And we're going to talk about that. But as far as the warning sign goes, when their grades are dropping, when they're making excuses about why their homework isn't done, why they're rushing through, why on Sunday night at nine o'clock, all of a sudden they discover they have a project due the next day. <laughs> These are all signs that he's gaming too much. His brain is distracted. It's not focused on that. But again, in this category, the, um, the idea of, of, of him, of, of his game interfering with his relationship with his parents is probably out of all of these warning signs, um, the most damaging because we have to fix that relationship with our kids um, during childhood if and teenhood. If you don't have a good relationship with your kids, they will have to fix it at some point in their life. And I always say that whatever we don't fix during childhood, you know, we're in counseling the rest of our life trying to fix. Well, we want them to seek us out for help. We want to be their main counselor, their main advocate. You know, that trustworthy person that they can bring anything to. And you, and you know when it changed. You know, you see the moods changing. Yeah, you definitely don't want your kid's game to be his compass. And the bottom line is, with all of these warning signs, the bottom line is, the more time he spends in that virtual world on his game, the more problems you're going to have. That's kind of the blanket statement here. And the warning signs have all been laid out for you to maybe get some tips today to try to understand, you know, your blind spots too, as a parent, like I had to kind of come to grips with it. It took me a long time to figure it out. But when I did, it was just like this flood of, of recognition <laughs> over all the things that I did. And, um, and I will say, I, I didn't have um, any education on what the warnings were. There and, were any books or websites or, you know, podcast talks. There wasn't anything like that. I remember just digging constantly for any little clue or information of acknowledgement from somebody else because yeah. I could see what I was starting to see but it's like it's exaggerating yeah. it or you know is it a phase he's going to grow out of it no with each new release of these games are more potent and more tantalizing and well and I remember thinking how could you be addicted to an activity right yeah. like right. to a game of all things and um how could that cause problems so that really stumped me but today hopefully y'all have um, um, gotten some really good information and you won't be as stumped as we were <laughs> and you'll be able to take some action. And one thing that we offer with um, Screen Strong is we have a free challenge that you can take. So I know people get really scared and parents get really scared. Well, I can't take it away. What am I going to do? I can't go cold turkey. Well, we do recommend actually cold turkey is a pretty good idea. However, it has to be 
um, thought through. And so one thing that you can do is take the challenge and for seven days, put his game on a vacation <laughs> and discuss with him, of course, ahead of time. You don't want to not tell him you're doing this, but on our website, you can go and um, look up information on the Screen Strong Challenge and we will walk you through how to do this. And every day we send you an email for that day for seven days to help you over the, some of the hurdles. But what happens when you can take at least seven days, it's always better to take longer. 21 days is really best to try to change a habit. But even after seven days, if you can get your, your son off his game for seven days, then you can start getting to know him better, talk to him more, get some activities scheduled, get some more hobbies lined up, get, some th get him back in the real life. That's your goal, is to get him to taste the real life again, taste how fun it is to be around his siblings, be around you. I and mean, the first few days are really hard, I get that. But um, if you have any of these warning signs at all, we highly recommend that you do something. If you need to email us, we'll be happy to email you back. We just want to help parents that are really struggling with this and raise the awareness. So Michelle, anything else that you want to end with today? Um, as far as that seven day challenge in, in any time during your parenting, structure is really important to their day. That's, gonna, that's your best tool you know, to get through all of this is keep them structured so they don't have the free time to have their mind constantly wandering back to wanting to game because they now have their attention placed someplace else. And with that structure, if you are going to remove games, you cannot expect your child to know how to fill that time. Um, so with Michelle, what you're talking about with that structure, this means that you have to structure things. Yeah. You may even have to write an actual little schedule of Absolutely. what you're gonna do. From you know, this is this period, this period, this period. And right. they're not gonna like it at first. And even if they are kind of liking it, they might just kind of dig their heels in and act like they don't like it. But they That's might be really good inside but they're yeah. not going to be the first one to admit it. Yeah, they have to pretend that they don't like it at all. <laughs> but the fact that you're spending time with them, the fact that you care about them spells love to them because time just spells love for kids. And so um, I say to parents all the time that any kid who has a screen dependency, um, spending more time with them will help any dependency out there. It may not feel right at first. It may feel awkward. And it might feel kind of staged, but you know what? That goes that that goes away really quickly. So um, be sure and check out our our site with our Screen Strong Challenge, and remember to rethink those screens and reclaim your kids and reconnect your families. Absolutely, you can do it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can do it. <laughs> Stay strong. That's right.